believe it or not, Jimmy Dore has been trending on Twitter. The Dore ultimatum has gained a lot of traction since Justin Jackson advocated for it. Justin Jackson is an NFL football player, and AOC for some reason thought it was more important to respond to his tweet than to Jimmy Dore's. I think she's trying to deplatform Jimmy. At any rate, the cat is out of the bag, and people are clamoring for AOC and other progressives in the House to withhold their vote from Nancy Pelosi for Speaker. What do they want to get in return? They want a floor vote for Medicare for All. Jimmy is right to push this. Jimmy is right to push our so-called progressives in the House and in the Senate if it passes in the House. Pramila Jayapal has a House resolution on Medicare for All, and we need it to get to the floor for a vote. And if we're not willing to use leverage, Mark Pocan, then we're never going to get anything. So Jimmy is urging all of us to hold our progressives' feet to the fire. I don't know that any of them will ever do anything, but it is good to hold them accountable. What made me particularly happy was when Anna Kasparian predictably said something about it. Anna is a sheepdog. She works for Cenk Uger, the sheepdog, who works for the Clinton machine, who wants them, pays them $20 million to sheepdog. So of course Anna is going to try to defend AOC sheepdog in waiting. But she doesn't want to come right out and say that Jimmy is wrong. So instead, she says, It's one thing to debate the strategies lawmakers like AOC should take. My issue with Dorr is that I don't believe he says anything in good faith. Now that's amazing. That's about as bad faith a thing as you could say. It's incredible to witness his rage-filled demands of some lawmakers while he refused to hold Tulsi accountable for a damn thing. What does Tulsi have to do with this? Why don't you just talk about what we're talking about, Anna? Why don't you talk about Jenk's rage? Jenk earned his reputation by being a raving lunatic. So I have to tell you, Jimmy, I was smiling from ear to ear when you came back with Katzenberg cash. $20 million Katzenberg cash. That was a good one. He, of course, criticizes Anna for other things. I've never had an original idea in my life, peddled McCarthyism and censorship for four years while taking 20 mil Katzenberg cash. Yes, this is a great idea, but Jimmy Dore is still a meanie. I work for a guy whose biopic is named Mad as Hell, but Jimmy's rage is off-putting. And then that warmed him up a little bit. He went on to say, Was great honor to give a tongue bath to war criminal Madeleine Albright. He's giving her shade for sucking up to Madeleine Albright in an interview. While I was uncritically repeating CIA talking points on Syria and Venezuela, while Jimmy was debunking me in real time in my own studio, including my smears of Julian Assange. But that's not what this is about. So he laid her low, and this could actually take the Young Turks clear out. I've said that nobody but me has been talking about that $20 million from the Clinton bundler, Jeffrey Katzenberg. But after Jimmy tweeted this, Hardlands Media also mentioned it, and I have a feeling other people will now feel free to talk about it. Why does Cenk tell us to vote for Clinton? Why does Cenk tell us to vote for Biden? Because they're paying him to tell us that. So now it's out, and hopefully good things will come of it. I've been waiting for a good opportunity to work this one in by Branko Marsetic. It's Joe Biden's Swamp Now from Jacobin Magazine. Yes, we've criticized Jacobin Magazine and Democratic Socialists of America for being sheepdogs. They're still sheepdogs. 
But with that disclaimer, this is a pretty good article. So far, Joe Biden's transition has hired liberally from Wall Street and corporate America, chosen appointees who have made multiple trips through the revolving door, and recruited fans of fossil fuels in the middle of a climate crisis. It's little different than what we saw under Donald Trump. With Joe Biden now weeks into the transition for his presidency, it's time to play a game. That game is called, What Would People Say If This Was a Trump Pick? For instance, what would people say if Donald Trump's pick to head the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, was a figure who not only floated cutting entitlements, but has hoovered up millions from Wall Street and virtually every malign corporate interest you can imagine? What if she was somebody who once privately suggested the United States solve its debt issues by having Libya hand over its oil for the privilege of being destroyed by its military? What if, in addition to all this, she was also a union buster who outed a sexual harassment victim and punched an employee for asking Hillary Clinton a question about the Iraq war? Or what if, for Secretary of State, Director of National Intelligence, and lower-ranking positions helping staff his administration, Biden had nominated people who had parlayed the experience and relationships they'd gained serving while in government into lucrative private sector jobs, opening doors for military contractors and multinationals, sometimes with that very same government? What if his likely pick for Secretary of Defense was a partner at those same firms and just this year had advocated for the Pentagon to team up with companies that are part of this traditional defense industrial base and non-traditional partners and create more substantial recurring revenue opportunities for these companies? What if one of those firms had recently filed an SEC document boasting that its deeply connected partner group of former U.S. defense and government officials would ensure exposure to a significant number of proprietary opportunities? What would happen if, after running a campaign where he cast the election as a choice between Scranton and Park Avenue, and where he repeatedly told workers they, not Wall Street, built the country, Trump quickly turned Wall Street and corporate America into a recruitment pool? Venture capital executive, director of a financial firm, a pharma and insurance lobbyist, would such picks for his White House staff make a mockery of his campaign? And what if another possible Wall Street hire was not only colleagues with one of the men most responsible for the 2008 financial crash, but had covered up the police murder of a black teenager while he was mayor of one of the largest U.S. cities? And he goes on and on, and it never stops because Biden never stops. We know Joe, this is Joe, and anyone who told us to vote for him and move him left should have seen this coming. And they probably did see it coming. So everybody who's really on the left, and not just talking about being on the left, and virtue signaling that they're on the left, should have known better. Trump is a pussycat compared to Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, or George W. Bush. Trump is an inept slob. Calling him an existential threat was just a great way to get the deep state back into power. Bernie Sanders, meanwhile, is enormously insulted. Biden signifies neither Warren nor Sanders will be part of his cupboard. President-elect Joe Biden appeared to be indicating that Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Bernie Sanders will not be part of his cabinet. In an interview with NBC's Lester Holt, Biden expressed a desire to keep the two progressive Democrats in the U.S. Senate. Now that's a big surprise. 
But Bernie, you didn't exert any leverage. You just endorsed Joe without getting anything in return. And now you're enormously insulted. Fat lot of good that's gonna do. From the New York Post, Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders warned that President-elect Joe Biden will feel the wrath of the political left if he shuts out progressives from serving in important posts in his administration. Oh, their wrath is really gonna scare Joe Biden. It seems to me pretty clear that progressive views need to be expressed within a Biden administration, Sanders told the Associated Press. Like that was ever going to happen. It would be, for example, enormously insulting if Biden put together a team of rivals and there's some discussion that that's what he intends to do, which might include Republicans and conservative Democrats, but which ignored the progressive community. I think that would be very, very unfortunate, says the guy who wanted to start a political revolution. Very, very unfortunate. Dude, sit down before you hurt yourself. It's time for we, the people, to stand up and do this. We need to burn shit up and tear shit down and make this happen. We're not gonna move Biden to the left. The only thing we need to do that's gonna do any good is to overthrow this government completely. Republicans, Democrats, so-called progressives, they're all on the wrong side of history and they're all on the wrong team. They're all working for the oligarchs, either directly or indirectly as controlled opposition. And I've said this before, what needs to rise from the ashes is a government that's truly democratic. I think we need, as Senator Gravel has suggested, a direct democracy, like they have in Switzerland. Not all of Switzerland, just a couple of cantons in Switzerland have direct democracy, and I think that's what we need. And we're not gonna get there without strikes and riots. But instead, we're enormously insulted because Biden is appointing Neera Tannen, who spread the conspiracy that Russian hackers changed Hillary's 2016 votes to Trump. As far as I can see, the only hackers are the DNC. Electoral fraud was invented by the DNC. And voter suppression too, if you're gonna be critical. Glenn Greenwald asks the question, how can Democrats and allied media outlets credibly oppose unhinged conspiracy theories and attacks on U.S. election legitimacy while empowering its worst purveyors? It's a pretty good question, I think. The announcement that Joe Biden intends to nominate Neera Tandon as his director of the Office of Management and Budget, a critical position overseeing U.S. economic and regulatory policy, triggered a wide range of mockery, indignation, and disgust from both the left and the right. That should not be surprising. Though a thoroughly mediocre and ordinary DC swamp creature from the perspective of both ideology and competence, ooh, Tandon's uniquely unhinged, venomous, corrupt, and pathologically dishonest conduct as a Clinton family and DNC apparatchik and president of the corporatist and despot-funded Center for American Progress has earned her a list of enemies far longer and more impressive than her accomplishments. Ooh, burn. Why don't you tell us how you really feel there, Glenn? The most important point he made there is that this should not be surprising. People who told you to vote Biden and then push him left should have known this was coming, and they probably did. When news of her appointment broke, many of the journalists and activists she has spent years abusing, slandering, and lying about instantly stepped forward to compile just some of her worst political and behavioral lowlights and some preliminary signs emerged that she might encounter difficulty in obtaining the Senate confirmation needed for her to assume this position. 
The communications director for GOP Senator John Cornyn of Texas announced that Tandon stands zero chance of being confirmed by the Senate. Former Sanders campaign aide David Sirota hypothesized that it is not a coincidence they are putting Neera Tandon, the single biggest, most aggressive Bernie Sanders critic in the United States of America, specifically at OMB, while Sanders is Senate Budget Committee ranking chair. Sirota's statement suggests Biden's nomination of Tanda was intended as yet more humiliation doled out to the Democratic loyal Sanders left by cucking the Vermont senator even further by forcing him to shepherd the confirmation of one of his most vicious and amoral attackers, who Sanders himself in 2019 vehemently denounced. But Sirota's point also raises the prospect that Tanda's nomination could even encounter trouble from the other side of the aisle as well. Given Sanders' compliant and disciplined conduct over the last six months, it's more likely we will see him roll out a literal red carpet for Tandon to walk on, gently toss red roses on it before she passes, and then serve her a glass of Chardonnay rather than meaningfully obstruct her confirmation. Dear viewers and listeners, I'll let you read the rest of this diatribe against Neera Tandon. It's very good, and I hope it makes you feel better. But most of all, I hope it makes you feel like rolling up your sleeves and dealing with these assholes who are putting Bernie in this position. Yes, Bernie put himself in this position, and AOC isn't positioning herself any better. But if we were ever going to get a new government that rises up from the ashes of this clusterfuck, we are going to need to do some serious work behind the scenes for our favorite warriors. It's not always easy to tell who the warriors are going to be. Some people will surprise us, I hope, in a pleasant way. But we need to understand, most of all, we are the warriors. We are the people who push people left before we even allow them to represent us. We, the people, are the ones who will stand up for our fellow workers. And so all this garbage from the Biden administration should just get us going. Yes, we need to hold people accountable on Twitter, and this is great for that. You can share this until the cows come home, and it will help. But more than anything, we need to pile into the streets. We need to mount massive, crippling wildcat strikes. And we need a new constitution. Once we, the people, assume power, we need to institute a government that works for all of us. I just hope that at this point in history, the near-attendant appointment turns out to be the shot that was heard round the world.